Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. I don't know how many of you can remember, but we've been busy with a series called True or False. How many of you listened to that first sermon? It's actually quite a good, good series, but it's challenging. It's really challenging me. Because I have to go and dive into the scriptures and go and look and say, Lord, we need the truth of, of the matter in every situation of our lives. Ever been there in your life? Come on, we've been there. In, and once in, somewhere in your life, you will get to a point where you ask this question. What is the truth? Now, nowadays, we see things are turned upside down. Did you notice this? Suddenly, right is wrong. And what has been wrong so many years and so many generations suddenly is, is coined as right. And it's actually quite weird, but if you go to the Scriptures, you'll see that Jesus spoke about it in Matthew 24. Paul spoke about it to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3. And if you go to the book of Isaiah, which is a prophetic book, it actually shows prophetically that this will happen in the future. So we're just in line with Scripture. Jesus said it, Paul said it, the prophets prophesied it. So as believers, how do we know what is true and false? Which is quite important for us nowadays. How do we know what is the truth so that we can stand up for the truth as Christians, as the church? But what is the source of right and wrong? It's a good question. Now with the series, we want to look at some statements. We want to look at some worldviews that the world has gone skew with. And we want to see where we as believers stand for the truth. What is the truth? Now, I don't want to want you to raise your hand and say, who have had conversations in the last six months about this exact topic? What is truth and what is false? Everybody is celebrating this thing that we've seen as sin for so many years. So what is the truth? Now, in the first sermon, we've looked at the definition of truth, and, and we've looked at the Oxford Dictionary. It says, that which is true in accordance with fact or reality. And it says that a fact or a belief that is accepted as true. Now, the long and the short of the, what the Oxford Dictionary actually says, it points to either fact or reality. Now, if you look at the word fact, what is a fact? A fact is basically a piece of information that communicates if something exists, that it happened, or that it could be observed by experience. That's a fact. Now, let me explain this to you. Let me give an example. The sky is blue. That's a fact. Or the last year's Christmas Day was on a Wednesday. That is a fact. Now, now, the one thing about fact is that it's not universal and it is not permanent. But we know that facts is, 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 are isolated and can change over time. Let me give you, for instance, we know that Mr. Cyril Ramaphosa is our president. If you live in South Africa, he's our president. And we all know that that's a fact. But that is an isolated fact for us living in South Africa. Why? Because when you go to China... That is not a fact for them because they've got a different present. So we can see that facts do change and it's not permanent. But what about reality? Reality actually points to the truth. And truth is defined as how things actually are, which is then truth 
is that which agree with reality. Now, I can go on with these things, and if you go, it's very philosophical. It is actually a brain teaser when you speak about fact and truth and reality, and you go and dabble upon these things, and I thought, man, I, I took hours, and I read through these things, and I thought, man, now it feels like I know nothing. That I came to the simplistic truth as believers, we can just say that, listen, we believe in God. And that is our truth, and that points to our reality. We don't have to argue about that. Now, the problem we have today is that when people confuse unchanging truth with speculations claimed to be truth, we see that. We see people taking truth and then through speculations that they think out of their minds and they philosophize about stuff, they start changing the truth that we've known that it's truth for so many years. And that's why we can never miss where Jesus stated in God's word the following. He says that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Where Jesus said in John 14 verse 6, he said that I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Pointing out that Jesus, pointing out to himself, says I am the truth. But unfortunately the world has always challenged the truth. Always. And I can prove that to you because it started out even in the Bible we can prove that people tried to challenge the truth. And I want to prove this to you. There's a scripture in John 18 where Pilate, Pontius Pilate, had a discussion with Jesus before his crucifixion. Listen to this. So Pilate went into to the praetorium again and called Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Then Jesus replied, Are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? Good question, Jesus. You see, Jesus actually asked Pilate, are you talking about people's facts or are you talking about true reality? Big difference. Are you talking about fact or truth and reality? Let's read on. Then Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own people and their chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done that is worthy of death? Jesus replied, My kingdom is not of this world, nor does it have its origin in this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting hard to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. Now I love this, what Jesus is saying. I love this. I hope you picked it up. He said the following. He said, listen, Pilate, you are looking at reality from the wrong perspective. You are looking at reality from a fleshly perspective, but I'm showing you the true reality which is in the Spirit. Jesus said, spiritually there's a lot of angels that can with one word can be here right now and overpower all of you. But you're looking from a fleshly perspective. See, and that's the age-old issue that we have. People look at the fleshly reality and Jesus came to open our eyes to the reality of the Spirit. He wanted people to look what's going to happen in the Spirit right now. Now listen to this. Let's go on. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. This is why I was born, and for this I have come into this world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is 
everyone who is of the truth, who is friend of the, friends of the truth and belong to the truth, hears and listen carefully to my voice. Then Pilate said to him scornfully, what is truth? What is truth? <laughs> now Pilate proves here at this pivotal point in biblical history, because this is a pivotal point in biblical history when Jesus was sentenced. And Pilate comes here and he says that the world is only, we see here, the world is only seeking knowledge. But they're missing the truth. Because this is what Pilate was looking for. He was looking for, the, for no knowledge to make the right decision. When Jesus said, man, you're just missing the truth here. And you know what is ironic? That Pilate asked the stupidest question in the Bible. He said, what is truth? While he was looking truth in the face. Because Jesus is truth. You see, the worldview world of our generation pursues knowledge and power. But it's missing the truth where the real power lies. Now, this is something we need to ponder about and thinking. I, I know I'm, I'm talking about a lot of stuff at, at once. But let me give you an example of worldview. The biggest research organization in the world is called the Barna Group. And the Barna Group has done research over the last 10 years on youth between the ages of 18 to 23. They looked at the relationship between faith and culture. Do you know what they, what they came to? Now, first, before I tell you what the research shown, let me show you on what biblical worldview that they base their research. This is it. The biblical worldview was the following. It says... It was, they believe in an absolute moral truth. They say that moral truth exists. Then they said the Bible is completely unchangeable and true. That Satan is a real being and not symbolic. They said that the person cannot earn his way into the kingdom of God through good works. Jesus Christ lived a sinful life on earth. And that God is the supreme creator of the heaven and the earth I think I've got it on here. There we go. And God is the supreme creator of the heavens and the earth and reigns over the whole universe. That was, on that point, they based their biblical worldview and did their study. And they questioned youth between the age of 18 to 23 for 10 years about the biblical worldview. Do you know what they came to? They found that less than 1% of the youth only in America Less than 1% had a biblical worldview. That's scary. Do you know why? Because America is the main source of media, and that media flows to every other worldview in the world. So their worldview, because of media and a flow of social media and whatever, are flowing to our children, our next generation, and they are depicting the worldview that the youth and the culture of today adapts. Now see, this is massive. Because this generation will, will, the American generation, the youth generation, the only one that they, that they tested at that time, will have an impact on our generation, our children. And that's why we need to know the truth. That's why we must be able to stand for it every day. You see, 1 Peter 3, verse 15, Peter comes and he says the following, he says, you must worship 
Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready. Always be ready to explain it. Some scriptures, some translations says, be in and out of season. Be ready to explain your faith. Stand up for the truth. See, this is another reason why we need to keep the Word of God in our hearts so that we can give the truth to the world. We need to give the truth to the world. When Jesus prayed for His disciples, the night before um, Jesus was taken to be crucified, He prayed a prayer in John 17. He prayed a prayer for Himself, then He prayed a prayer for His disciples, and then He prayed a prayer for all, for all Christians and all believers. But in verse 17, John 17, verse 17, Jesus prays for his disciples and he says the following, Lord, sanctify them by the truth. And then he explained what the truth is. He says, the, your word is the truth. That means that we need to fill ourselves up with the word so that the truth can come when we speak. That we can stand up as Christians for the truth. But you can't have the truth if you don't have the truth giver, which is God, and he uses the word to bring truth into our lives. See, here Jesus proves that the only way we are made holy is through God's word, the truth. Now let's go on. Here's my true and false question for today. Now that I set a bit of a foundation, here's my question. The world says the following. The world says we need to be more knowledgeable in this world and this age to be relevant as Christians. Good statement, isn't it? I know, I know. There's some of us sitting here this morning, maybe listening to this, and they say, yes, we need to be. Or no, we don't. They say, yes or no, but what is true and what is false? So let's use the, the Scripture. Let's take the Word to prove that truth is more relevant than worldly knowledge. Can we do that? See, the battle for knowledge is not just during this age. It's been a battle since the beginning with Adam and Eve. There's been a battle for knowledge. Now, the interesting question is, if you look, think about Adam and Eve quickly, where everything started. Think about it. We all know the story. We've read it so many times. But how did the serpent get Eve to turn on God? Good question, isn't it? Now, we, we all have maybe our thinking and what we think. But think about this quickly. Eve lived in a perfect environment. Perfect. Perfect. She had no father, no husband, no relative. Well, husband she had, she had Adam. She had no father, no relative, no boss, no teacher that had ever abused her. Not even Adam and husband abused her. There was no abuse in her life. She lived without sickness. She had abundant provision in her lives. Everything was perfect. Now, above all this, she lived in a love and harmony with God, her Creator. So how did the enemy manage to get Eve and even Adam to turn on God? Good question, isn't it? Now, if we answer this question, we can understand why the enemy can do the same with us as believers today. We can. Now, let's read quickly through this, which is really interesting. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he, made, he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grown up from the ground, trees that were beautiful 
and it produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, we all know the scripture. It's amazing. But it's so amazing to see that God created everything around the centerpiece of creation, us. God loved us so much. You know, the creation of man was so special to God. It was so special to God that he didn't create the garden. He planted the trees himself. Then God planted a garden in Eden. Yes, he created, but God, it was so special for him, us as creation, that he planted the tree. He made a garden specially for his centerpiece of his creation. Let's read on, Genesis 2, verse 15 to 23. The Lord then placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it, but the Lord God warned him. Now we all know this warning. He says, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. Now this is amazing. God came and he said, man, the man needs a companion. He needs a helper. So God brought all the animals to Adam to name them. Now that wasn't the only, the only reason God brought the animals to Adam. He wanted to see if Adam finds a suitable helper for himself. Now, we all know that Adam didn't find any suitable helper for him because not one animal fit with Adam and didn't fit with us as human beings. So God came and he took from Adam a rib and he created ease out of the flesh of man. Now, the woman and the man were perfect companions. Now, it's only God created perfect things and they were perfect companions for each other and they had a very specific assignment from God. God said to guard and to keep the planet and then specifically tend to the garden. Tend to the garden. That was a specific, specific assignment. Now it's very important to see here that before God created Eve, God had a moment with Adam that says, Adam, stand here. Here's the rule. Look at me. You see that tree, two trees? You are not allowed to eat anything from it personal moment with God. In Genesis 2.16, God says, says exactly, say, you can eat except from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now we don't know how long after creation the serpent came, because the Bible doesn't say it. But the serpent came and he tempted Eve and, he, and she turned away from God. But again, how was this possible that Eve, without having any issues in her life, Turned from a God who gave her everything. Let's read together. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all animals, of, of, of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. The only fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. If you do not do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both 
good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it gave her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. There was one question, one question, one stupid little question, <laughs> the serpent redirected Eve's focus. So he changed their focus from everything that God gave them. Now think about quickly, what did God give them? They were in a garden. I think every fruit that is on earth today was in that garden. Thousands of trees with fruit. Everything they could dream of, they could eat. And he shifted her focus from that to one thing she wasn't allowed to have. Just one thing. You see, Eve could have eaten of thousands of trees in the garden that God has given him. But after that one doubtful question, she couldn't get her eyes or her thoughts of that one thing she couldn't have. Just that one thing. Why? You see, still today, the enemy can steer us away from the truth by redirecting our focus and bring us to a place of doubt. Are you sure about this? Have you thought about this thing? Really? And if you don't have the truth of God in your heart cemented, there will be doubt. See, that's the enemy's objective today. The enemy's objective is to make us doubt the truth so that he can make us look from the flesh instead of the spirit. See, God has given us thousands of promises as believers. Thousands. Go and read it. I think there's over 7,000 promises for every believer in Scripture. Thousands of promises for us as believers, but still the enemy makes us think that we have none. There's no promise for you. You are nothing. You will not do anything in your life. You will, I mean, there's so many stuff in your life that the, that the enemy can bring. But the enemy always wants to hide God's generosity and only make us see what is withheld from us. That's his plan. He wants to keep God's generosity away from you and only show you what is withheld. Now, that's very interesting here. If you go back and you look at Eve's response, remember what God said to Adam? You're not allowed to eat any of that fruit on a tree. L listen to Eve's response. It's only the fruit from a tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. God didn't say that. He just said to Adam, you're not allowed to eat it. Now remember, God only said that they are allowed to eat it. Now if you think about it, Eve was never there when God spoke to Adam. Never there. When God gave the rules to Adam, Eve wasn't there. Adam probably later on took his wife for a walk. Nice romantic walk and they came upon the trees. Oh yeah, yes, I forgot to tell you. See that trees? Off limits. Oh, okay. So here's the important truth that we can't miss in this thing. See, Adam and Eve both had knowledge of the rule of the tree. They both have knowledge on that. That tree in the middle of the garden, they both have knowledge about it. But here's the difference. Eve, Eve hearing it from Adam, only had communicative knowledge. 
Someone communicated it to her. But Adam, he heard it from God. He had revealed knowledge because he received the truth from God directly. Big difference. Communicated knowledge versus directed knowledge. Directed knowledge. Revealed knowledge. Now let me finish quickly. Keep this in mind. Let me finish with the last story. Jesus comes. And he asks his disciples. In Matthew 16 verse 13. He comes. Jesus. I mean Jesus was one of the most intentional human beings on this planet. He was so intentional with his disciples. So he asked his disciples. Who do people say that the son of man is? Good question. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or, the, or one of the other prophets. You hear their response? So Jesus doesn't stop there. He asked them a, different, a second question. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Now, <laughs> here comes Peter. So Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn, learn this from any human being. See the difference? Communicative knowledge revealed revelational truth. You see, if Jesus didn't ask that second question, the disciples would have been stuck in communicative knowledge and missed the revealed truth. That was there, right in front of them. They would have missed it. You see, Peter wasn't quoting something he heard others say, or he wasn't reading the newspaper. Um, he wasn't doing that. No, no. He was sharing truth that God imparted to him directly. In that moment, there was a directive, clear communication from God to him. Then Jesus declared that this kind of revelational truth will be the very thing that the church will be built on. Now, everybody think it was Peter. But the truth that was built on, was the, the, the thing that was, the church was supposed to be built on was the truth of Jesus. You see, Jesus also declared that even the, the, the gates of hell, even the hell's forces wouldn't be able to stand against the truth. It's a powerful scripture. We need to get this today. He says the truth is the answer. But if knowledge is only communicated, the enemy can bring in doubt and the truth is blurred. Sound familiar? If you sit in a conversation today and suddenly the truth is blurred. I mean, I've been in conversations and I thought, wait, 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 wait. This wasn't even a doubt in my mind. Suddenly you're talking about this. Now I'm wondering. But as Christians, where do we go? We go back to the Word. The truth. Remember, God says, Lord, sanctify the disciples with the truth. The truth is the Word of God. So we need to go back to the truth to say, Lord, this is the truth that we need. We need a directive, revelational truth. Not a communicated truth. Now that's why it's so important for us to walk in revelational truth directed from God every day in our lives. We need the truth in our lives. So when doubt is turning the world upside down, which is at the moment, we need revelational truth from God to keep us standing. We need that. We need to learn our Bible. 
we get scripture in our hearts. So the question is, do we need more knowledgeable, do we need to be more knowledgeable to be relevant as Christians in today's culture? Remember the question? Now here's my answer. Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. See, we can't afford only to receive communicated knowledge. Because we need to make sound decisions. We need to grow as believers. Therefore, we need revealed truth in our lives. We need constant revelational truth from the Word daily. We need that. See, not Google, not any social media platform, not any guy on Facebook can give you that God can give you revealed from, from His Word. Even if you watch TBN, whatever you watch... It is only feeding us knowledge that is communicated. We need to go and search the scriptures for what truth reveals to us. Now don't understand me wrong. Scripture also says faith comes by hearing and hearing. And when I hear a sermon, when I hear someone speak, when you hear me speak now, it builds our faith. But there's only one thing that can cement truth into our hearts that is revealed, revelational truth from God. I can hear it from someone and I can go back at home, I can search the scriptures, and that thing can fall into my heart. And that's what we need. See, communicated knowledge we can get by hearing someone else's statement or his sermon can be accurate. But it also can be easily doubted. Eve is proof of it. That's why when I listen to a sermon, I take notes. When I take, do my devotional, I do notes. I go back and I read it. I go back to the scripture and I read it till I get the revelational truth from the scripture in my heart. Otherwise, it stays communicated knowledge. And some, people's, some people are clever and they've got amazing memories and they can remember. But that, did that truth drop into your heart and become a revelation? That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Everybody's saying everything about me. But what do you say? What do you say? Did it change your heart? Did it change your life? You see, otherwise you're going to come in every conversation and you want to have more knowledge. But is the knowledge revelational or communicated? Is the truth something that is cemented in your heart because you take the scriptures every day and you get that scripture? If you have to take one scripture and take a month to get that thing in your heart, it will become revelation. And no one can take it from you. I trust God that we will crave and hunger after revelational truth in our lives. Every day. We know that revealed knowledge and truth we receive from God by seeking the scriptures cannot be taken away from us. I remember when I was in London, I think I've told this testimony before, and I was looking for a job for a month. I was living out pounds that my dad gave me and ran, and, and I took the scriptures about finances, and I started eating the scriptures about financial gain. Lord, teach me about finances. Teach me to trust you. And scriptures fell in my heart, and revelation came into my life that I, I after that, I never doubt about giving my tithe or giving, or sowing, or giving seed, or any finances. I never doubt because the revelation dropped in my heart because I searched the Scriptures. It's not about someone heard this and I heard this from someone. Yes, what they said sparked something in my heart 
And I looked for the revelation in the scriptures until it sunk in and it became a foundation in my heart. We can never let doubt in when the world comes with new questions. Never. When the world comes with questions of morality or family values or belief, where is the foundation in your heart? Is it communicated knowledge that you want to go back to? Or is it revealed truth from the Word as you grow as a Christian that says, no, this is my truth. This is my truth. So do we need more knowledge to be relevant? Yes, we need revelation, truth, and knowledge to cement the truth in our lives that when the world comes and speaks about gender stuff, I said, no, this is what the Word says. This is what the Word says and this is the truth that I have. I don't have to doubt on that. The Word also says I can love you and I will love you until you get to the truth. And we can go on and on and I want to open a, another can of worms on that. But see, when it comes to truth, this is our answer. Is the Word revealed in your heart so that you are not like Eve in a perfect environment and still able to doubt because your knowledge was communicated, not revealed. I always want to make sure if the knowledge and the truth and what I receive is revealed from God. I've said in so many conferences and so many powerful teachings of men and women in my life, but I still have to go back and then take the Word and open this Word and say, Okay, Lord, I've heard this amazing Scriptures. Now reveal it to me. You see, as, as Christians... We became, so many Christians became obese Christians because they only take in but they never give. But sometimes we take in and we forget it because we never let that sink into our lives, get that word into our hearts and said, Lord, I need this to be revealed. It just can't just stay at being communicative knowledge. At COVID time, it was, it was hectic. Because all of us watch videos from all over the social media and every big evangelist, preacher from all over the world shared incredible word, incredible teachings. But we only stayed there because we never jumped into the word and said, wait, wait, wait. I need to see that for myself. I need to go and read. When I read Genesis again, I realized, oh my goodness, I've read so many things, I misinterpreted it. Because it was communicated knowledge that needed to be revealed truth in my heart. Sometimes when a preacher preaches, don't just take it for granted. Make a note. Go to your scriptures and make it revealed. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit come and sink it into your heart. And then when people come and ask, what is the truth of the matter? I said, let's open the scriptures. You know, I had the same question. This is what the Word says. What do you think the Word says? And then you have great conversations about Scripture and where God is taking us. Amen? Is there some truth for you in this? Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you that, that we, can, we can know that you have given us everything, Lord, before even the creation of this world. And Lord, that this incredible book of truth that you've given us inspired by the Holy Spirit Lord you've given us as a weapon as a tool in our lives to bring truth constantly into our lives Father and Lord I pray that you will you will give us the ability Lord to 
to make this revealed truth in our lives foundational. So that when we walk into a world which is upside down, we doesn't know right from wrong, that the thing that, that wrong is right and right is wrong, Lord, that we will bring the truth into our lives so that we can give the truth to others and to situations and to work environments and places where we walk in, that we can speak the truth with love. And know that we can't just look for, for, for knowledge and power, but we need the revelational knowledge and truth out of your scriptures. So Lord, I pray that there will be a hunger for your word in our lives. Lord, I pray that there, there will be a hunger that, 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 that you will release in our hearts, that we will get into this word on a daily basis, Father. That we will ask questions, that we will run into things that we don't understand, so that we can go and look further until we get that revelational truth from scriptures that you have given us, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come with your presence when we open the scriptures, that you will come and reveal to us what the truth is in every matter. Lord, bring us into conversations about the scriptures as we open the word together, Father, so that we will get the truth. And may we as a church stand for truth, Father, that we are not a seeker-sensitive church. We are a church that stands for the truth of God, through the Word of God, because of the love of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.